When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM1260, The Horn. Yeah, good stuff right there, Ty. That, of course, uh, the Jefferson's TV theme song, the, uh, the great Norman Lear passed away this morning, or overnight, uh, 101 years old, uh, one of the most innovative, changed television, changed television. Changed with, America. Uh, Changed just, America. Yeah, it changed America. There was no doubt. We, we In this country at that time, there were a lot of difficult conversations that needed to be had, a lot of awkward conversations that need to be had about uh, about race in our society, about the, you know, the social changes, policy changes, the political climate. There was a lot happening. And Norman Lear found a way to put that discourse and frame it in a situational comedy that was not only palatable to the masses, to both sides, by the way, all right, to all sides of that subject or whatever it may be, uh, but also to add a little comedic spin on it to make you laugh about that awkward conversation you needed to have. Humor. Humor and satire to uh, talk about tough conversations. So Archie Bunker and all the family. Jefferson's. Jefferson's. Oh, man. Sanford and Son. Sanford and Son. Oh, man. Nobody's – I mean, they they do that now, and now it's more commonplace. They were not doing that back then. They were staying away from those really tough subjects and those really tough conversations. And he put that – on Front Street, he put it right there as a not only as a you know a subject in different uh, like different episodes, but the whole plot of the show <laughs> was essentially those awkward conversations. The All in the Family, the Jeffersons. Yeah, like, I mean, All in the Family attacked race conversations, oh, attacked uh, you know Archie Bunker's racism and. Uh, you know, well, and, the, the and, Vietnam War. And the racism on both sides, though. Oh, for sure. That's, that's the beauty of it. When, when, Je- when George Jefferson and Archie Munger would get together, they just start throwing them at each other. He's oh, like, yeah. And then it, it gave a voice to all sides of these uh, debates sure. and discussions. Which, in, in a healthy way. Uh, yes. And in a humorous way. Oh, man. Uh, for sure. Because, obviously, the Jeffersons spun off of All, of all in the Family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then they well, had their biracial couples on there. You know, the Jeffersons and the biracial couple. Yeah. Back then on TV, you did not have biracial couples. No, you did not. <laughs> you did. Uh, yeah, the other network was CBS at the time, and they had, you know, Beverly Hillbilly. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, just a different kind of comedy. Green but e- Acres. Yeah, easier to, to, to accept those kind of comedies. But Norman Lee did not want to go the easy route. He no, went the he road less traveled with some of this stuff, and it was brilliant. It, and did it in a, in a very, you know, brilliant is the good word, brilliant way. Changed America. That's a good way to put it. Changed television, but everyone was locked into their television. Yep. So it changed America at that time. Yeah, because we get the ratings those shows got. You don't get ratings like that anymore, like for MASH no. and all that stuff back then, because America was actually white. We didn't have a lot of options. When you only had four, two, four channels. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you go watch what's on that day. Well, that's when people watch the nightly news <laughs> and Walter Cronkite. Yeah. And that's where you got your news from, and that's where you got your entertainment. And then you'd watch, yeah. uh, you know. But, yeah, obviously it's, it's so much more fragmented and diverse. I mean, it's not even the same planet. Yeah, we all got timelines now. Now you get what's on your timeline. You get to watch <laughs> yeah. what you want to watch. Everybody's in it. We're all in our bubbles now. Back then, he was penetrating everybody's bubble, yeah. trying to get in your bubble and make you uncomfortable. Oh, brilliant. Love yeah. that guy. Man. I love him. Norman Lear. Well mm-hmm. done. Well God said. God bless. Great Robert. American. 
Uh, well said. All right, so that's out there. We've got our fabulous fifth hour talking Texas football. Told you this morning that uh, the Longhorns are targeting uh, right now a trio of players, maybe more, but what we know, the Longhorns are after a couple of wide receivers, and they're going to be in the, in the wide receiver portal. The, the positions Texas wants to attack in the portal, and let's remind folks, the portal is open from this past Monday the 4th yes, until January 2nd, and then it closes. It'll open again after spring practice. There's only 45 days on the calendar. This is a new rule, by the way. Uh, the coaches begged for them to – Close it down a little bit, uh, given you know, make make people make decisions. Yeah, don't let this thing drag on. Uh, if they want to move, okay, fine, that's the rule. But 30 days, December into January, 15 days after spring practice, that's it. So this thing's going to move pretty quick. The Longhorns are in a spot where they're prepping for a game, but they're also building for the future mm-hmm. beyond the games. Uh, and that's the portal, and that is, um, you know, obviously in the in the recruiting normal high school recruiting realm, and the Longhorns are out doing both. So the coaches have fanned out. So, But the players, the Longhorns are at least, uh, you know, apparently most after right now. Purdue, Speedy, wide out, the slot receiver, Deontay Banks. You called him the Yak Daddy. Yeah, Burks. Yards after yeah. catch, or Burks, I should say. Mm-hmm. Deontay Burks, uh, speedster, uh, yards after catch. Kind of see him in a Xavier Worthy kind of role, yep. right? Uh, it's a guy. I mean, you you can call him a typical slot if you want to. Five eleven, but yeah, speedy, precision route running, gets in and out of breaks, really explosive. He's small-ish, slight-ish, but we know Sark doesn't mind that as long as you can run, run, and he can run. Uh, he also has a very large catch radius for a smaller guy, and he's not afraid of contact. You know, Sark doesn't mind a smaller receiver, but you gotta play through contact like Xavier Worthy does. Dion Burks does that. Uh, 47 receptions, 629 yards, 7 touchdowns, but that's with Purdue. I think you can ex- you can project that with Texas, uh, maybe a veteran quarterback like Quinn Ewers coming back, uh, that that's a guy that can get probably closer to 900 yards for yeah, the, for sure. Productivity. Well, and you, you know, he's, Hudson Card was throwing him passes this yeah, year. Yeah, good Purdue. point. I didn't think about that. You're right. Yeah, and uh, then South Carolina's. We heard this one even over the weekend. Juice Wells, uh, Antoine Juice Wells, who mm-hmm. interesting that he has the uh, the connection that he was at James Madison. Yep. And that JMU, and then he transferred to South Carolina, and he was a uh, you know, All SEC player as a junior last year, battled an injury. But he is in the in the portal, and you like him. He's a powerhouse. I mean, he's a powerful guy. Yeah, he's run after yeah. catch in a different way. But uh, 50-50 balls, big, 6-1, 2 um, you know, long arms, good player who, you know, you know you're playing SEC competition and, and excelling. That guy can play. Yeah, and I, I think he'll work in almost any offense. You know, I, I do think, you know, Burks works well and is more compatible with a Sark offense. I think anybody can use a guy like Juice Wells. He's just a contested catch freak, all right? He will go up and, and just snag footballs out of the air, contested catch. So a 50-50 ball with him becomes a 70-30 ball real easy. Strong hands. You can see him. He, he never even looks. Sometimes he won't even tuck the ball. He'll go up and make a contested catch, and the DB swiping away at the ball in his hands, and he just keeps it up there in front of him because his hands are so damn strong. Yeah. Um, they can't rip it away from him. And that strength also, you see it in his lower body. You cannot tackle him with arm tackles and just you know throwing a shoulder in there. He'll break that tackle and make you look silly. So he's great after the catch. I said that you know Burks is a yak daddy for yards after the catch. He's a yak daddy for yards after contact. He will initiate, engage contact, and then just really run right through it. Just kind of, especially young, you know, DBs who are a little slight, uh, they don't bring the, uh, their full physicality when they tackle. They don't wrap that guy up. He can be a problem on the outside. I think he, he'd be great in the red zone, too, because of that 50-50 ball mentality. He's also really good at scramble drill. Ball doesn't have to be accurate just in his vicinity, and he's going to go up and snatch it out of the air. Attacks the football in the air. More of a possession receiver on the outside. 
think A.D. Mitchell, and that's probably he probably can be yeah. a, 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 an A.D. Mitchell, not as, I think, precision route runner, not as advanced and savvy as a route runner, but he'll provide other gifts and assets out there. I think he breaks tackles better than a guy like A.D. Mitchell. I think they both would be, and we know A.D. Mitchell is, but I think he would similarly be a really good target in the red zone. Too. Yeah, and, and A.D.'s had huge touchdowns this year. Oh. Uh, and so we'll see where that goes. Obviously, they're being recruited by a lot of people. Tennessee's mm-hmm. all after Juice and a lot of schools in the SEC, Antoine Juice-Wells, and then uh, Deontay Burks, the names to watch, uh, being recruited by a lot of people. There's also the uh, Clemson safety and former LBJ Jaguar Andrew Makuba. Um, there's obviously connection. He's from Austin, played at Austin LBJ. His high school coach, Jamal Fenner, is on the Sark staff as the director of high school relations. That's one to watch. But he also, as soon as he hit the portal, you know, Oregon, oh. across the country, they're, yeah. they're in on this guy. Uh, name to watch. Uh, uh, Jerry Hamilton was with us earlier, and he mentioned a tight end from Notre Dame, from the state of Florida originally that's hit mm-hmm. the portal that, that you keep an eye on. Longhorns would like to – you're not going to replace Jatavion Sanders, but somebody yeah. who can stretch the field at that position to go with Gunnar Helm and the other tight ends you have. Those are some names to watch there. The other big college football news that came down while we were doing our show is that the Aggies have hired Colin Klein to be their offensive coordinator. Yeah. Uh, a report earlier in the week that Penn State went after Colin Klein from K-State and got turned down that uh, James Franklin was told, nah, I'm going to stay. And then Mike Elko reached out. Maybe Colin Klein knew something was coming with Mike Elko. Uh, but Mike Elko reached out, and it looks like Colin Klein's going to leave his alma mater where he played and now had been the offensive coordinator. And uh, he's coming to Aggieland, which I think you and I both agree is an intriguing and I think possibly a really good hire for Mike Elko. Yeah. But it doesn't fit the current personnel on campus. Yeah, that's the thing about, especially the quarterback position, right? Uh, Colin Klein himself, uh, one of the best, you know, dual threat quarterbacks of uh, the modern era. Uh, he himself as an offensive coordinator, and I think he's done a really good job there with uh, K State, doing more with less, right? They don't bring in a lot of blue chip talent, but they end up having a top fifteen offense all the time, right? In terms of running the football, they're a top five rushing attack in the country, and you can do that. That's, that's about development. Now, if you can do that with three-star talent. There are a lot of people that believe, hey, man, what if I just infuse your system with five-star talent? Best offensive lineman you can get. Best dual-threat quarterbacks available. Better weapons on the outside. What could that offense look like? So maybe that's what they're projecting, but there's no question it's going to be a transition period. Transfer portal helps with that, but you don't necessarily have the dual-threat quarterback. If that's the route they're going, and I think they are, you don't have that guy on campus. Now, we've seen coaches and even coordinators, when they go other places now, the transfer portal allows them to bring uh, some of those assets with them. Maybe Avery Johnson, Uh-oh. who was one of the highest-rated recruits in the history of Kansas, right? Well, Coming and, out of high school. And, uh, and, and Colin well, Klein were, recruited him. And he recruited him, right? He recruided Avery Johnson. And, and a, lot of people, a lot of people said that Kansas State doesn't get – they don't get players like Avery Johnson. Avery, players like that usually leave the state. And he's seen go to a higher profile program. in the state of Texas. So yeah. uh, it's one of those, you know, okay, you hear it, you're like, wow, that's interesting. But it does give you an indication – of where Mike Elko wants to take the program. And that was also indicated by Ross Bjork, their athletic director, when he went after Mark Stoops. I mean, they want, you know, Jimbo Fisher's one of the – but they want to be a tough, physical, defensive-minded line of scrimmage type. Because right now, what's the biggest problem at A&M? The culture's bad, and their offensive line was dreadful. I mean, they can't keep a quarterback healthy. Hmm. They can't pass protect. They don't run block well enough. Uh, And that's on Jimbo, and that's on culture. And so, you know, what, what you just said, what's Colin Klein? Colin Klein's tough, meat and potatoes, mm-hmm. physical, run tough up front, run the ball, and probably a quarterback legs game that uh, will be impactful 
uh, big picture. So, yeah, that's interesting to me that that's where Elko's going. And you, you said it when – and not, you know, not the only one, but when, when, you, when you're a defensive guy, your biggest hire as the coach is oh, who's going to run your offense. I think so. Who's going to run your yeah. offense. And this seems like a good hire. It, does, it seems like a guy who's on the rise. He has done a good job with Chris Kleiman. Yeah. He was a quarterback. He knows Texas. Uh, interesting name, though. And I, and I think you brought up, you know um, – because we were talking about Brendan Marion, how he was a he's a fast riser, and I thought he would be a candidate. And maybe he was. I'm just uh, I don't know if they interviewed him or uh, if they vetted him or what. Um, but he's a fast riser, and if you do go get the fast riser, uh, there is the case he made that they may not be there long enough for you to establish the culture like you want it. Uh, that's one thing good about Sark. He's only he's had you know he's had some fast risers on his staff and guys that have moved on already, Jeff Choate being the latest, but most of that staff he's been able to keep around so he can help build the culture, and I wonder if they got someone who was good, and I don't think Colin Klein's going to leave there after next year and become a head coach. I think he's going to be around there a while. I mean, he just got to be a coordinator a few years ago, so maybe they project that he's going to be there for a little bit so they can build this thing and then maybe if they do make a Coswell playoff that's when he can go take a head coaching job something like that a guy like Brennan Marion who I thought would be the perfect hire and he also is a guy that wants to run the ball with that go-go offense two back sets with a triple option run game west coast passing game he may not only be there for a year He's, he's, he's looking for different opportunities and trying to get a head coaching job as fast as possible. So maybe that's the reason they didn't go with that hire. Maybe Colin Klein's a little bit more compatible with Elko and what he wants to do. And nothing's more compatible with a great defense than a run game. Running the football is really compatible and is complementary to a great defense. That's what I think he wants to do. He well, wants to run the football compatible. I mean, let that be compatible with the defense. And I think Colin Klein also fits in the other C word, which is culture. Like he wants to build a tough culture, tough-minded culture, uh, disciplined culture, uh, which is what Elko is all about. And a lot of people believe that when Mike Elko walked out the door to go to the Duke job is when the culture left. Disintegrated A&M. Yeah, yeah, because he was the one holding it together. And I don't disagree Jimbo, with that. And it was – an emperor with no clothes, right? Jimbo wasn't connected to that team. It was Mike Elko who was connected to that team. Jimbo just was the face and called the plays and was more focused on recruiting five stars and, you know, that than, than actually coaching the team. And uh, that was clearly evidence. Once Mike Elko took off for two years, it fell apart. Disintegrated is a good word. Uh, uh, so we got that out there. Mike Elko is uh, move, making his moves. Sark making their moves in the portal. It's going to be wild up until January the 2nd. Of course, January 1st is when Texas plays uh, the uh, the Washington Huskies. Rod will take us behind the burn orange curtain on that coming up. I did see this, guys. Did you see the the, – the, so, Ty, you're big on a gambling side of things on uh, on the majority. Mm-hmm. According to John Ewing, who's a great uh, yeah, guy based follow. out in Vegas, good 89% of bets and 93% of early money is on Alabama money line mm. for the upcoming game against Michigan. Yeah. Um, That's a lot of money going yeah. to the Crimson I would say that the reason that makes sense to me is because there are a lot of people that believe that Michigan hadn't been tested enough yet. They hadn't been truly tested. And that Jalen Milrow, with dual threat ability, his ability to throw the football downfield, uh, that maybe they can present some things to Michigan that Michigan just hasn't been exposed to yet. Yeah, no, for Period. sure. And, and you know, the Ohio State game was in their building yeah. uh, without John Jim Harbaugh, but – uh, they'd done that all year long. How many? I mean, did, did, John, they, did, did Jim Harbaugh coach more games or be suspended for more games this year? Because three to start the year, three right? To start three to finish the six. How about even? About <laughs> <laughs> even for different reasons, he was suspended too. Uh, and I gotta go check Michigan. Has Michigan faced a quarterback that moves around like Milrow in the Big Ten? Uh, I, you know, I try I not. Know. I try not to watch a lot of Big Ten football. <laughs> if I can help it, right? I'm with you. I'll go check that, but I don't know if they have. 
because uh, Miller was actually really good on the run. We know that at Texas, and they didn't use they didn't use him and weaponize him as a runner with Texas. They only had three design runs versus Texas since now. Tommy Reese is using him as a runner. They're moving the pocket more, and he's playing at a higher level. He's got, if I'm not mistaken, guys. He is tied with Michael Penix for the amount of deep touchdowns in the FBS. He's third. Think Ooh, about Miller? it. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good he's deep a, ball thrower. Think about it. What was the only big play that they kept completing against Texas? Romero. It was over a deep the ball. Top. It was one over the top. He's got a coverage. beautiful deep ball. Uh, now, that's a reason for Texas fans to worry a little bit because you got to face Michael well, Penix. now he's got a month, too. Um, and he's got a month. But my point is I don't know if Michigan has faced a quarterback that can run and be mobile and beat you with his legs but also extend plays and now throw it deep and, and stretch you Well, I guess the most dynamic offense – in the Big Ten would be Maryland, right? You might write about um, that. Because we know Penn State is stuck in the mud, and Iowa's mm-hmm. terrible, and Ohio State was their most dynamic, but they were you know, a quarterback that didn't move. Kyle McCord was not yeah. a mo- mobile guy. Exactly. Uh, and, and Marvin Harrison Jr. was the main guy. And that game was really, really close. There were a couple of plays either way that's, that flipped that game. Uh, so, yeah, I could see Alabama. And I think I could see any, any four of these teams winning the national championship, I, could I think. Too. That's what's you. fun about this. Like, yeah. like, you know, last year it was Georgia all the way. Mm-hmm. And whether it was going to be TCU or Michigan, I was going to pick Georgia. Ohio State nearly upset that apple cart, but that was with C.J. Stroud, who we're watching now star for the Texans. And C.J. played his best game as a collegian that game against Georgia. He was unbelievable against Georgia last year in that mm-hmm. game. And that, that turned a lot of opinions on C.J. Stroud. People were kind of mixed on C.J. Then they saw him play Georgia and all that talent. were like, whoa, well, that's yeah. a dude. Uh, and the Texans are happy to have him. But, you know, this year I feel like all, all, any of the four could win this thing. I, I really agree. do, uh, especially with Sark and this Texas team get healthy, month to prep. Uh, we know Sark with a month to get ready for anybody is tough. But Caleb DeBoer is really good the same way. Nick Saban, you know. It's a GOAT. He's the GOAT. If they come, back and, if they come back and <laughs> win this goat. thing, after they should have lost to Auburn. Can you imagine that storyline? Should have lost to Auburn. Find a way. Miracle. Your rival gives you a somehow terrible coverage so you can win a rivalry game to keep your hopes alive. Then you beat Georgia. Whoever now you have a chance to, to – what, what a mic drop for Nick Saban that was could that, be. What's that? You brought up a great Mark Twain quote from yesterday, another good one. The uh, the reports of my demise have been greatly exaggerated. Yes, sir. I feel like that's Nick Saban. Yeah. <laughs> the reports of my demise have been greatly exaggerated. Yeah, well, I mean, that's <laughs> that's why I think they got it right. I mean, if I, if Florida State was in this game, we'd have give Florida State zero chance in this matchup. I agree. No, Matt, no chance. And they all got a chance for different reasons, right? Nick Saban is the GOAT, so enough said. He's the GOAT, and they're Alabama, so, yeah, they got a chance. Uh, Michigan's got their chance because Michigan, by a lot of people's – Yeah, they might be the best team, period. The best team overall, right, with the best defense. And Jim Harbaugh, the ultimate ball coach at every level, uh, the best quarterback belongs to Washington in this group, right? You got the best quarterback, the most valuable position in the game, and he's the best at that position? Well, hell, you got a chance, right? And and he may have the best receiving core, right? Yeah, no, uh, I mean, and includes Texas, too, because he's got three NFL wide receivers. Texas has got two, but they got J.T. Sanders. Um, and then when you look at Texas, they, honestly, does Texas? what is Texas' big advantage? Is defense, it their, run defense. Is their run defense? If they can get through the Washington game, then they match up pretty good with the strength of either Alabama. They, and the, the Alabama thing is they already know the game plan against Alabama. So right? they're basically been there. the best D-tackle duo and the best rush defense. Best yeah, front. against two teams who love to run the football. Yeah. And gives you a chance against uh, that. You got to get through Washington, though, which becomes a challenge. All right, good stuff, man. We got a uh, you know, nah, three weeks so to kick that around. Can't wait. <laughs> but yeah, that, that was just an interesting note. The early money's coming in heavy on Bama, not the I'm whole not thing, surprised. but against Michigan. I'm not surprised by that, especially after the way that Michigan reaction 
Remember when they oh, had a lot of yeah, they wanted to Florida Bama? State. They wanted Florida State. I don't think they were scared of Bama, but I do think it was a lot easier road to oh, yeah. Florida State. Oh, we got to play the Nick well, Saban the GOAT. Wait, what you just said and is a point, a spot-on point. That's another reason you had Florida State shouldn't be in this because it would have been an easier – it's competitive oh. competitive advantage. Huge. C- competitive balance of, of your four. Totally agree. You guys giving up bye week. You want to give – Jim Harbaugh, the guy who's been suspended twice already this year, an easier pack. Hey, listen, let's, let's wrap that up conversation <laughs> with anybody but Michigan because it may get vacated. You'd rather have someone else win this damn thing. That's a good point. Because six months from now, the NCAA might strip it from them. Hey, man, you might be on to something. Seriously, they, hey, they will be addressing it. Can I mention this on the way to the timeout? Then we're going to go behind the burn orange curtain. Rod, you've seen the movie Basic Instinct, right? Oh, yeah, no doubt. Ty, you've seen Basic Instinct. Very Sharon erotic. Stone. Very erotic. What? What? What is wrong with you? Come on, man. You've never seen the crotch scene around the world? Oh, it's great. Oh. And Sharon Stone is the uh, – Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas. She's the great. sociopath author, author. Oh, so good. How about her? She's 65 years old now, Rod, Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone is? Yes. She's still – she's still guy. She's still good-looking, too. And how about this? She's still good-looking. She was doing an interview. Oh, no. Where she says, I think I'm hotter now than I've ever been. I'm in my 60s. All right. And people want to tap that as much as ever before. See, um, come on now. Okay, that's that's not true. Not much as ever before. No. What's she saying? She said No, it. it's not she true. She said the truth of the matter, I have, I have no. just as many people who want to sleep with me now as I no. ever did. That's wrong, Sharon. I love you. And I think you're still you still got it, girl. You're still hot. And this is my thing. And I, I think she's on to something, and I've said this forever. Grandmothers are getting hotter in our society. They just are because oh. of surgery, because they're in better shape than they used to be back in the day. And Greg, they're I think not people are having 17 kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Modern technology. That's a big part of it. Grandmothers are hotter. I've noticed this too. Grandmothers back when I was a kid, I, I never met a hot grandma. Now, I got to tell you, I go to Westlake and I go to Westlake HEB. I'll see a couple of hot grandmas walking around. I'm like, hey, hot, you're a hot grandma. So hot grandmas are a thing, just like hot teachers are now a thing. Remember when you were young, there weren't that many hot teachers. You had like one or two in your school they were like oh man i remember miss kemp Ooh, miss kemp was sexy now go to a school and go see how many hot teachers there are at that school it's a bunch of them miss Brittany, yeah yeah exactly right miss kelly it's a ton of hot teachers they're younger and they're hotter so one thing uh, two things i think remain true teachers are getting hotter grandmothers are getting hotter and i think she's she's, she's a hot grandma that's all it's all good hey listen and uh, she's right i would if i wasn't married she can get it but in her (laughs) opinion she's hotter now than she's ever been which says he's still feeling very virile and very uh, mm-hmm. open. Hey, they got female uh, Viagra now. You can do that. And then people think that, I, that no one looks at you anymore. The truth of the matter is I have just as many people who want to sleep with me now as I ever did. So well, now she's still a sex symbol. And there's something about sleeping with a sex symbol even when they're old. Like, well, I'm looking at this video. Yeah. She still she doesn't look 65, whatever 65 she looks it. like. Because she was on Law & Order like uh, a few years ago. She was, doing like a, she was like one of the DAs. And she still looked good. She still had it. All right. That know. is that. You've got to see that movie. That's that movie. I think I've seen yeah. some scenes from that movie. I don't know if I've... you've seen that scene. I know you have. Yeah, to have seen that yeah. Scene. That with the familiar. legs crossed in the uh, yes. you know in the interrogation yes. room. Is this, is that yes. Newman in there? It in is. The interrogation? <laughs> is. Is Newman from Newman. Newman. <laughs> Newman. Newman. He's weird? a cop. He is a cop. Oh, he's a, he plays a great role in that film. <laughs> he does. That's great. That's a good movie, man. It, it it'll is. freak you out. I'll tell it's, you that. It's, it's entertaining. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that's a good is. one. That was a bit erotic when I was a kid trying to see that basic instinct, man. She, she <laughs> played that role cold. Yes, she did. She did a damn good job. Killed man. that. Uh, no pun intended. She played a lot of roles that were like very sexy. Oh, that back became then. her thing. Um, you remember? You ever seen the movie? Was it Sliver? 
Oh yeah, that's oh, with, uh, one of the bald ones. Yes, oh. one of the bald ones. Oh, that was, well, that was Sharon Stone, right? That was her. That was Sharon Stone. Oh, dude. Yeah, I don't know that which bald one, but that was, was freakier one. than Basic Instinct. Cinema was way freakier. Yeah, they had way more freaky. She found a niche. <laughs> And she rode with it, no question. Hey, I took that ride with her too, man. As a, as a young teenager, I was a big Sharon Stone fan. Who oh, was yeah. it? Fast forward, rewind. Fast forward. Rewind. <laughs> why is this? Why is this VHS on this one spot messed up? I don't know, mom. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> You've worn down the fast forward rewind button. We'll be back. Hook them up with Ian Rodby. Hits behind the BOC coming next. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. By the way, uh, Sharon Stone also made Basic Instinct 2, which I Did never saw. Really? I've never seen that. I'm just looking at the cover of it. Dang. Um, well done. She made a movie called Diabolique. Which was of that psychological oh, yeah, erotic psych thriller drama. Stuff. Yeah, that was her thing. She made a film called The Specialist with um, what's his name, Sylvester Stallone. Which oh, have I do that. remember that one. They didn't get freaky in that one. I don't think. Did I think not. They, okay. Well, I think they were like they would show that they were about to, and then they would always oh, kind of cut away. Thirteen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I remember that one too. Oh uh, yeah. So she she found her genre. Uh, but still thinks she's as hot as ever, which is fine. That's good for her. I like your no, hot was, grandma's hot teacher's uh, yeah. take. That's good. As I say, she, she's in that conversation. She was a sex symbol. I remember her sex symbol days. 100%. Oh, man. Somebody, yeah, somebody said Sharon so did make Basic Instinct 2. That's right. I know. I guess I got to go see Basic Instinct 2. I got to go find I'm it. I'm sure it's old. horrible. <laughs> well, and typically, well, I mean, typically the reason sequels are bad is that, you know, the, the, when, a, when a movie like that becomes a huge hit, the, the star didn't make as much money as they should have, right? They didn't make a fortune, right? Like the Hangover yeah, guys. Yeah, you're right, because they, they didn't anticipate it being a hit. No, they will take yeah, it. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'll, take yeah. the, I'll sign that contract. Yeah, you're right. Good and point. Then, and then the, the movie house makes a, bill, a, a mint, and it's like, well, no, we need to make another one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're right about that. That's, a, that's, a, that's what usually what happens. And everybody makes their money on the second one, yes. but it's never as good as the never first one. Never as good. So they don't, they don't actually make they – don't, they don't profit from the second one, but everybody gets their payday. They get their payday. Everybody gets their payday. And they'll cash in. And a lot yeah, of people right. will still go see it, and it'll never live up to it. But yeah, that's why we'll – Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, if you make two and, and it's really good, well, then maybe we'll make a third and do that again. But uh, yeah, um, basic instinct, too, because I'm sure she didn't make a ton of money for that. And, uh, and she showed her hoo-ha, so, you know, we're doing Hey, you know what? Hey, it, but you know what? It made it famous. Yeah, like, oh. You could argue that made her like a sex symbol. It was almost that scene. Because she, I don't know if she was certified sex symbol before that, but after that scene, it was like, oh, oh yeah, she's it. It's done. Rod, I mean, that was the 90s. That had never happened before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about Norman Lear and how he raised a lot of America with his great shows. That changed a lot of America's, like, teenage minds. It just warped our minds. It's like, hold up. 
Did she just do that? Is that a thing? Man. Well, I mean, this, this is a little deeper than that, but you're talking about, you know, cultural. I mean, they, for, I mean the interview I was talking about with Sharon Snow, where she thinks she's as hot as she's ever been, she was talking about how she was ostracized because she was this female in Hollywood who was being, you know, aggressively sexual. Yeah, right? showing and, off her yes. junk and stuff. And right? it was still, yeah. oh, that's frowned upon. Yeah. Hey, I know. Like, what? <laughs> Come on. Now, and now we were putting out sex tapes oh, and yeah. sex videos oh, yeah. and everything. Well, she was ahead of the curve. <laughs> she was, man. 100%. Yeah, that's and, a great uh, point. Yeah, well, now we're doing 50 shades of this and 50 shades of that. And you know, But she was the first. I mean, that was that was a big deal back then. That, that was, was a, a real huge big deal. deal, man. And so I'm assuming the negotiation for Basic Instinct 2 went – Hey, look, I showed my hoo-ha to the world. I didn't make enough money for that. We need a redo. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you know what? That scene still lives on. Everybody oh, knows. Iconic. About 20-some oh. years later, people still know that scene. Even Ty knows the damn scene. They ain't seen the movie. Oh, well, the scene. It's not just that, but the, the reaction and the, the guys yeah. turning. Their, their I just remember that bucket. Newman's in it because I remember his reaction. I'm like, Newman's in that scene because he's, like, sweating in there and all that kind of stuff. Okay, real quick. You just played theme song from – was Family Matters, Ty? Correct. Okay. Uh, that was not normal. That's not normal. I thought y'all said no that. No way. It's well. way too late. Yeah. Way too late. I, th- I, <laughs> okay. I thought that might have been something I, like Maude or something that I had never seen. Yeah, because I'm, I'm a, tele- I'm a television – I'm a television theme, so, like, freak. I I used to have to on, – on shows I used to do uh, the television – we used to do, like, basically guess that television theme song. We do, like, theme song Thursday. And so I know way too many of them. And I was like, man, Family Matters. Didn't know Norman Lear did that? But there you go. That makes sense. He didn't do that. Hey, but that was a good show. That shows you how much show. I know about Norman Lear right there. Uh, oh, but I'll, I'll give you a factoid about Family Matters that links to Norman Lear. Uh, Family Matters became the second longest-running live-action U.S. sitcom with an African-American cast behind the Jeffersons. I need Boom. Rod on Jeopardy with the uh, category sitcoms. Oh, I, love, I grew up on them, man. I grew up on it, It's probably not uh, a point I should be bragging about, but I grew up on sitcoms. No, no, I love I've it. seen way too many of them. All of them. I know all the theme songs. That's funny because I was a sitcom guy, but I became pretty quickly more. I was into the hour-long Dukes of Hazards or the, uh, the yeah. chips. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. See, I needed that's, some action. Yes, I would say that's not. Yeah, you're right. That's a little bit different because they almost like were on the verge of being dramas. Oh yeah, like, that chips thing. BJ right? and the Bear. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> those, those like detective dramas and like crime shows kind of yeah, things. That's yeah, that's what I liked. I yeah. liked. I don't know. I, I can see that. I think I. Yeah, I didn't get into those till later. Now I love shows like that. Now I love. I seen every Law and Order. It's mostly because I had, I have an older brother who's not even two years older, so we would watch them together. So we were watching Chips. Yeah, I love Chips. Cops and motorcycles yeah. and wrecks and yeah, fire. Weird theme song. It was like. Oh yeah, total California man. Baker and Ponch. Yeah, man. We had it. We had the Dukes of Hazard. We had Starsky and Hutch. Star. And I was going to ask you about Starsky and Hutch. I do remember watching. If it had a car and, and motorcycles yeah, and yeah. crashes and jumping over ditches, <laughs> in the General Lee, we were all in on that, like oh, all good. in. And so sitcoms sometimes, but we were mostly those, uh, you know. I like that adrenaline dramas. Can we get to behind the burn orange curtain as we talk some TV? Let's do it. And they were all asking themselves the same question: What is behind that curtain? Okay, so I went and watched the Alamo Bowl from last year, Texas versus Washington. And I'm just trying to, you know, find some. Ooh, Fall Guy mentioned. Fall Guy. Fall the Guy. The Stuntman. Great theme Lee song. Lee Major. Yes, it oh, does. Oh, that's one of the greatest theme songs of all time right there. Ooh. Matter of fact, Ty, you might have to pull that yeah, one up. on the way back. On the way. <laughs> you might have to get that one. That was so good. Uh, okay. Uh, so I was watching the Texas-Washington Alamo Bowl, and I saw something that really stood out to me, and I, I thought to myself, man, Texas – you know, they might use this as a starting point 
for how they want to attack Washington because obviously it was something they emphasized last time they played Washington. And I'm not sure maybe it was based on the personnel at the time, but there's a lot of personnel that still that basically is coming back for Washington. Texas will see that familiar with, or maybe it was based on the coordinator and the scheme. But they ran empty formation versus Washington last year in the Alamo Bowl more than they ran empty against any other team last season. All right, they ran nine plays of empty formation. One ended up being a 12-yard first down run for Quinn, um, and the other was the other uh, plays were all passes. 87% completion percentage <laughs> out of empty versus Washington last year. Um, seven and a half yards per attempt. You got a first down rate of 25%. And if you combine all of your empty plays versus Washington, you're talking about eight yards per play. 33% first down rate on those plays. That's pretty good. Now, obviously, Sark noticed something because Sark, he, he's not a huge advocate of empty. I love empty. You guys know I've been talking about empty ever since the Patriots beat the Rams in the Super Bowl, running empty formation. And then Cincinnati and the Rams played in the Super Bowl, and they were both number one and two in the NFL in empty formation. So, And by the way, I think everybody struggles versus empty. I think it is the most stressful situation you can put a defense defense in and based on my numbers and all of my stats and all my research um, it shows you that success rates and uh, efficiency rates uh, explosive play rates usually rise out of empty sack rates usually drop out of empty but getting back to it for Quinn don't be surprised against Washington you see uh, more empty snaps and more empty reps versus Washington just based on what I saw last year and Quinn was really good out of empty last year against Washington. Now, he hasn't been great this year out of empty. Um, I would like to see him be better out of empty. You're still talking about explosive play rates above 16%. Um, you're talking, still talking about really high first down rates, but he gets sacked too much out of empty. When empty happens, the ball is supposed to come out quickly. It speeds up your internal clock. It speeds up your process because you don't have any backs in the backfield. You know the ball is coming out quickly, and yet I count as uh, Quinn with four sacks. This year. And by the way, like I said, sack rates usually drop out of empty, and yet he is getting sacked out of empty because he's holding on to the ball too long, and he's going through progressions after his first read is taken away. That's what Iowa State did. They sacked him, what, four times in the first half. Two of those were out of empty formation. And Sarkin loves to use empty to try to force three high defense to declare and to uh, abandon their disguise and the distortion pre-snap. And he did a really good job of that, but somehow – for some reason, Quinn doesn't feel as comfortable out of empty. He did versus Washington last year, so I think they're going to run it again this year. But uh, for whatever reason, I need Quinn to process things quicker out of empty, and I need him to be a little bit more efficient, his footwork to be better out of empty. He should be more comfortable, like I said, because he's got better weapons than last year out of empty. Last year, he just had uh, X-Man and JT Sanders and Jay Witt. Now you add A.D. Mitchell to the mix, all right, of weapons that you have. So I think you should be even better out of empty this year, but that ne hasn't necessarily translated. And when I've been tracking empty for Texas for years, by the way, I've been tracking it ever since Tom Herman uh, was at Texas, ever since Bam Bam Sam <laughs> was using empty formation. And what I found was actually pretty intriguing was that basically – uh, Texas uh, yards per attempt, Texas uh, yards per play were pretty consistent out of empty no matter who the quarterbacks were, no matter who the, uh, the personnel were. In 2020, Texas was at 9.6 yards per play 
out of empty formation. They were at 10 yards per attempt out of empty formation. 2021, they were at 10.2 yards per attempt out of empty formation, 8.8 yards per play out of empty formation. Um, so it, it, it still tracks. And even um, if you go look at it uh, last season, um, you go look at it, they were at a six, sorry, 20% explosive play rate out of empty. So you're getting explosive play rates that are real high, sack rates that are dropping, yards per attempt that are rising. I think Sark versus Washington is going to start with a lot of empty. Even if they do what they call empty reloads, that's when you start out empty and then you reload All right, the chamber, putting the, the running back back into the backfield, motion them back into the backfield. Obviously, whatever Sark saw uh, that Washington does on defense, he thinks they can exploit it with empty formation. But on the flip side, Texas is also going to be defending empty. Remember I talked about how stressful empty formation is to defend because usually you're going to either go zone or you're going to go man and you're going to be stressed either way because they're going to be, there's going to be somebody uh, in your back seven, somebody, one of your coverage defenders, that's not going to be a reliable, consistent coverage defender. And you can isolate and manipulate those matchups out of empty formation. So that, and that happens, by the way, against Texas too. Um, this year, Texas got lit up in empty formation by U of H. U of H lit Texas up in empty. I believe they had an 80, you know, about an over an 80% completion rate for U of H out of empty this season uh, over almost 10 yards per attempt for U of H uh, when they when they were uh, uh, throwing and targeting out of empty formation versus Texas. So U of H, they ran 14 snaps of it and they were they had, they had three explosive plays out of empty formation versus Texas and I watched Washington in four games so far in my film study and they love empty formation. Why wouldn't they? You got three NFL wide receivers and you got an NFL quarterback that can make all the throws. Penix knows the ball's got to come out quickly so they are deadly out of empty formation and texas has seen it this year and when they've seen it this year they have struggled out of it like i said with uh u of h 9.2 yards per attempt allowed they did get one sack out of empty formation um but it is a it is a a concept that texas struggled to defend even against tcu texas allowed some big plays out of empty k-state had two explosive plays out of empty formation um that's going to be something that texas has to defend better and they have to prioritize and emphasize when they're going up against washington empty both sides, offense and defense. Good text here, and I know you'll dig into this, and we will. We keep talking about Washington's all-star quarterback and receivers. Don't talk about their pass defense being rated 120 in the nation. Oh, yeah, this will be a shootout potentially. This oh, could yeah. be a high-scoring yeah. football game. They can't stop Texas either. Yeah, that's going to be <laughs> the, the game within the game right there because Sark should be able to create his too. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll come back when we do what's popping on a uh, on a Wednesday night. Good hoops tonight. We've got uh, good stuff to tell you about. Ty, we'll see. I think he's on the he's on the the gambling wagon right now. But we'll see if there's a Sex Panther pick to be made. Uh, that's not more money on Longhorns to win the Natty. We're coming back on Hook 'em Up. Well, I'm not the kind to kiss and tell, but I've been seen with fair up. I've never been with anything less than a nine. So fine, I've been on fire with Sally Field, gone fast with a girl named Burl. Burl named Burl. <laughs> the foul guy, baby, 1981 to 1986. That is my wheelhouse here. Oh, that's Your boy here, Rod, was a nine to 15 in that time span. Nine to 15. That was the show, man. You got Lee Majors, the stunt man, driving that big ass truck. It was so cool. The, the what was a Bronco? Heather, Heather Thomas. Who didn't have a Heather Thomas poster on their wall? That's good. Man. My, I mean, everybody had Farrah Fawcett in the '70s. My mm -hmm. age group had Heather Thomas, who oh. played Jody Banks on The Fall Guy. Marky Post was on that show, and then she ended up being on Night Court after that. 
Oh, also great theme song. Yo, Nightcore. Oh, Nightcore. Nightcore's really back, Rod. I know. It must be terrible. There's <laughs> it's no way it's good. John Larroquette's in it. Is he? Yeah, How old he's is he? actually in it. Is he a judge now? Yeah, he's a uh, judge. It must be. Yeah, he's a judge. <laughs> no, I, I love Nightcore back in the day. Uh, yes, I, it Great was a good show. Song. It was a good, good Yeah, but the fall show. guy, man, it, you know, for, for kids oh, my for age. Oh, kid, yeah. Man. Oh, Stunt dance. Stunts. Yeah. It was really cool. It was action-packed all the time. Little eye candy in there, too. Oh, Everything yeah. that a, a young uh, preteen would want. <laughs> that was me, man. I mean, you're giving me General Lee for Dukes of Hazard. You got motorcycles and crashes with mm-hmm. ships. Um, then you're giving me Paul Guy, you're getting BJ and the Bear, where you got a guy with a monkey that drives a semi truck. Now that I, that's <laughs> that's way before my I don't remember that one. I don't even oh. remember it. Yeah, but think about it. Hey, uh, we're gonna I make a show. We're gonna make a show about a guy and he's got a pet monkey and he drives a semi. <laughs> oh no, it sounds great if you're a kid. I would love that. So. Oh, it was awesome, and the monkey was cool and did funny things, and uh, I don't even know how long that. Show See, that was one, on. that one never got in syndication then. Because I remember Fall Guy from syndication. It was only on three years. It went okay. 78 to 81. Yeah, because a lot of stuff, obviously, I'm too young to remember. We're in different eras. Well, but, but like, when they get to syndication, I was good. I, was, I could watch all that stuff. That's right. Like, BJ yeah. and the Bear came out after Smokey and the Bandit. So, Smokey uh, and the Bandit. See, I watched Smokey and the Bandit. And that's where you had, like, you know, Burt Reynolds, but you had semi-trucks and convoys. Mm-hmm. Then there was a movie called Convoy. And that Ooh. was all. So, of course. I remember that one either. So, in my house, we had the uh, – Matchbox cars. So we, uh-huh. we, so we had semi We could do play. We could do it all. I did, My yeah. brother and I were doing the, the, the Dukes of Hazzard. I had the Dukes of Hazzard car. I remember that oh, as a kid. General I had Lee. The, yeah, I had General Lee as a kid. Ooh, that's, yeah. that's good. Uh, so there you go. And then it could, then it all flipped to Star Wars, and then it was over. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars came out. <laughs> that is so true, though, because now – you know, it was so weird that back then they almost – those shows catered to kids, and they had toys associated with it and everything. Oh, man. And you don't see that anymore. Not at all. Now it's like, yeah, it's just straight up animation, cartoons, and that's how it goes. That was the connect. And then, the, like you said, the, the comic book adaptations. Oh, yeah. When that's Star Wars came out, I, I was like five or six years old, the original. And I remember being like, couldn't sleep because Empire Strikes Back was coming back out. What was the great sci fi? See, when we were kids, I guess it wasn't technology to have great sci fi shows and stuff like that back then. Cause I didn't really like sci fi shows, but I loved Star Wars. Like, I never got into Star Trek. Uh, yeah, you were in Trekkie? Trekkie. No Trekkie. Uh, no Trekkie, no. But Star, Star Wars, the first three. For sure, and yes, we had every we had the Millennium Falcon and the yeah. Han Solo. My brother loved Star Wars. He was oh, man. so into it. So into but that it. was and he's like your generation. My yeah. brother's five years older than me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, and everybody's got theirs. So that's cool. That's what's fun about our show. I'm 51. You're 41. Ties 25. Yeah. That acts baby. like he's. 19. <laughs> no. Well, some things I act really old, and some things he acts really young. He's just kind of a mixed, a mixed, a mixed soul, if you will. But, but Ty has a story for everything, so uh, yeah, yeah. we look forward to more yeah, stories. Yeah. Uh, all right, Ty, what's popping for you tonight? You got anything big? Uh, Longhorn basketball, 7 o'clock tonight at Marquette. You got uh, Shaka Smart reengaging mm-hmm. with his uh, former team, Rodney Terry, 6-1, and 6-2. and two. You got any thoughts on this game tonight? Uh, what's, what's the number, 8, right? I think it's 8. Uh, I, think it's eight. I think the Horns could keep in. Is Cedric playing? Minus 8.5 right now. Shedrick will play, um, but Dylan DeSue will not. Uh, mm. They're trying to get Dylan DeSue back into this mix. I thought Jerry Hamilton had some great points this morning talking about they've got to – you can't fall behind early in this game. They did that to UConn and that Empire Classic and could never claw back. This is a, this is, they've got two really good guards there in, in Kolak and Jones that can, they can break you down off the dribble. But it's not as good an offense as they were a year ago. Mm-hmm. They did beat Kansas like a drum not long ago out there in Hawaii. But uh, you need this. You need to be hanging with this team. And I thought, you know, I thought Jerry's best point, and it's going to be an ongoing challenge when you watch this game tonight. Maybe you haven't seen Texas much. 
when they go big, meaning they've got Caden Shedrick on the front line with Dylan Mitchell, and then they've got A. Smith and, uh, and Tyrese Hunter in the backcourt and whichever the, the, the other one is, Dylan Mitchell just can't shoot. Yeah. So they, you, you slough spacing. off Spacing. Of yeah. Because you'd like to see A. Smith and Tyrese Hunter penetrating, but if you've got the big man Shedrick and Dylan Mitchell and then you come in with another big where you have to go to yeah. the big lineup, there's no room in the you paint. crowd the lane. Yeah. yeah. They need someone that can space the floor. Uh, so if Dylan Mitchell's on the floor, you've got to go fast. You got to use his, let his athleticism shine. You got to get up and down the floor. That's a good point. And not try to do half court offense as much, uh, and let things come in the flow. The other challenge. This is what I'll be watching most tonight. No doubt about it. What's popping? I think the biggest challenge this team's going to have big picture is perimeter defense against good teams in the Big Twelve and beyond. Can can Tyrese Hunter and Max Asmus hold their own against these good guards and stay in front of them? They want to attack you into the lane. They can because they, look, Max is a bucket, right? Max Asmus, but. Can he guard somebody? Can he, dev- can he defend? He works hard at it, but he's yeah. small. Uh, yeah. And so and he works so hard on the offensive end. Can you also work equally hard on the defensive end? Most players cannot. Yes, and Tyrese Hunter is going home here tonight. This will be – I wonder if he has a big game. He's from Racine, Wisconsin, so he's about 30 minutes from where he grew up, started as a high school player. Uh, that'll be fun to see. But, you know, pay attention. There's not much else on tonight. you got uh, got hoops, Longhorns. And the women are playing tonight. Uh, coming off that big win over UConn, they play Long Beach State. Oh, they're going to whip. At the mood. They're going to whip Long Beach State. <laughs> Coming off beating UConn. Yeah. And riding an emotional I'm high. assuming tonight, Rod, you'll be doing uh, deep dives into. I'll watch some Washington film tonight, watch some more Washington, uh, and tomorrow I'll probably be coming with more Cowboys-Eagles. I'm going to break that matchup down tomorrow. We got plenty of time to talk Texas-Washington. You're going to oh, break yeah. down that, that Eagles-Cowboys uh, matchup. We'll do that tomorrow, I promise you. Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> Chips. People are in, man. Oh, I love it. 70s into the 80s TV rock, man. The it Office. Was awesome. That's my generation's theme That's song. That's your, your office. Your <laughs> yeah, you're the office. You know, Friends. Uh, yeah, Seinfeld. Seinfeld, see, yeah. So the sitcoms of the 70s, we were talking about this morning with Norman Lear, were not my big cup of tea, but the sitcoms that I grew up with became Cheers, Family oh, yeah, Ties, yeah. Cosby Show. Oh, yeah. Mm, those Cos- were great. Those yeah. were, those I remember were, those. Yeah. It's my generation. And they still had great television theme songs back then. Night still. Court, absolutely. Yeah. Well, maybe one day we'll do a full television theme oh, song. Oh, please, please. <laughs> I can send you all you need, Ty, from every decade 60s, 70s, 80s, hey, 90s. We've got, we got a month to the championship oh, semifinal man. game. Let's do it. Uh, we'll start playing some Christmas music, too. we got to do that. Uh, at time some to get point. in the mood. Hey, everybody, have a wonderful Wednesday. We'll do it again on a Thursday. We'll uh, be previewing the NFL weekend, Cowboys, Eagles, and the rest, and more on the Longhorns. Portal Pursuit.